0: Hey, it's carissa the ufcvm communication intern and pre-vet student knowing how to set a precedent of showing up and putting in the hours is an important way to get opportunities and to build a network today alex is joined by her very own sister katie white an early childhood research coordinator to discuss reliability
1: welcome to the pre-vet pause i'm alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and I am so excited to bring you another uh, episode in Season 6 where we will be going over the VEMCAS Letters of Rec qualities, the soft skills, the people skills that we're looking for in each of our applicants. As you know, even numbered episodes are going to have a non-veterinary professional and I couldn't be more excited about my guest today. Um, guess what, listeners? It's my sister, Katie White. Katie, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hello, <laughs>
1: Kate. Is this your first podcast? Yes. I'm excited to have you here. I'm also excited that we've determined that you know potentially you have a speaker voice, and mm. we'll I'll get to hear that for the first time today.
0: Mm-hmm. It's my training voice. Yep. We have our guests
1: tell us a little bit about themselves. Mm. Tell us where you went to undergrad and what your current position is.
0: Um, I went to undergrad here at the University of Florida. Go Gators. Yes. And I am currently um, a research coordinator at the College of Education. Mm -hmm.
1: At the College of Education, we're really excited to have you back working um, at UF. I think it'd be fun for the listener, since we are of relation, to maybe talk about our relationship a little bit. and. You know, We used to work at Baby Gator together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have an early childhood education background. Yes, I think it's going to be really interesting for us to talk about how early childhood and veterinary medicine relate to each other. Mm. And Kate, why don't you tell them which quality on the Vemcast application you're here to talk about?
0: Reliability.
1: Reliability. So reliability is one of those 16 to 20 qualities you can find on any given year on the VEMCAS application. Kate's making a face. You didn't know there was 20 qualities on there.
0: I did not know.
1: It is wild how intense that letter of rec form is. Mm. Reliability is on there. I asked you to be our reliability guest because, one, you're the most reliable person I know. so sweet. Uh, I thought it would be fun to hear from a non-vet on this one because any profession and any human does need to have some level of reliability. You've been quite reliable for me in our lives, and I think you're going to be a great guest um to talk about it and I knew that reliably you would do it even though you were hesitant.
0: Yes, I um I feel daring mm-hmm. but also a little nervous. Kate,
1: can you kind of talk them through your hesitancy because I also think when I originally asked you to be on the podcast, you did not jump on the opportunity. Mm-mm, you mm-mm. were hesitant mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I the second that you were thinking about it it made sense too because that also to me means someone who is reliable also thinks about their their plate like what their plate looks like their bandwidth their workload if it's something they even want to do that don't you think that relates to being reliable like knowing what you want to do and what you're capable of
0: I do I do and I am someone who usually thinks about something before I do it and sometimes it's not always uh, realistic.
1: Okay. Wait, do you have an example of that?
0: Well, I just think that there are certain things where you might not want to just like wait and like think about it cuz like there are moments in time where like you do have to be a little quick with your response. So, my hesitancy when you asked me was that I don't feel like I am a expert at reliability. Okay. So, I do feel like I've had a lot of experience and there's always room for growth. So I'm going to share my personal experience and how I am continuing to exercise this muscle, Mm -hmm. as you would say. And so when thinking about reliability, we're really thinking about being able to be relied upon. Sure. Right? Sure. And thinking about that, it's something like you would want to have and it takes time and build like trust over time and confidence over time mm. so after several experiences you know being able to be confident that I'm going to get the same result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or what I expect. Yeah. And that could be both positive or negative. So someone can be reliable that they're always on time. Yeah. Or or <laughs> we can rely on them to always not be Wait, on
1: time. Wait. I love this concept and I think it's not talked about enough that like it, with people who are inconsistent, con- they could be consistently inconsistent. Mm-hmm. They actually are being consistent because they're following that same pattern. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is we have to kind of recognize and maybe ourselves and others that sometimes they're going to be reliable to not be reliable.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And
1: we know who those people are in our lives.
0: You can think about them right now. I'm sure, sure there's you, a name coming. And to you. you might be the person.
1: If you can't think of anyone,
0: it's you. You might be. And yeah. that's Okay. Why is it okay, Kate? Because we can always grow. And just because something is current, the situation, that doesn't mean it can't change.
1: Okay. I do love that. Right. And I think that's what this season is about. Some folks have a foundation of some of these qualities already, and they're just going to be increasing that quality. And some folks are starting from square zero or
0: negative, negative one,
1: and they're going to be moving forward. So you think this is a learned skill.
0: Yes, I think it's a learned skill. I think that it might come easier to some, just like certain skills and talents do. But I definitely think that it's not a, it's never going to happen. I can never be it kind of situation.
1: Now, let's talk about you Mm -hmm. and your childhood. Mm. So do we think that because of growing up with siblings Mm -hmm. and you had to be, you were relied on Mm -hmm. because of that, Mm -hmm. do you think you were born reliable or you had to become reliable for your situation?
0: Mm. So I think that as the eldest, mm-hmm. that there is some responsibilities that are given to the eldest child. And so I feel like I learned to be reliable and there were certain situations where I wasn't, I didn't have the option to not be reliable. Ooh. Oh,
1: that's a good point too, that sometimes you don't have the choice. You ha- Well- What happened if someone, if you weren't reliable in that moment, something not great?
0: It just wouldn't get done.
1: It wouldn't have gotten done. So sometimes you you have a choice, and sometimes you don't. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do it, there's going to be a consequence, and Mm -hmm. that thing might not happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're saying this muscle can be grown. Mm -hmm. Some folks already have a talent for it. Some folks learn it. Um, I think it's ironic that we're talking about reliability, and you are in the research field mm-hmm. and one has to have reliability. Can you talk about how that kind of relates to research? Like what, what do we say reliability is in the research field?
0: Well, I, I think it depends on each particular project, task, research, study. And for me, uh, reliability has played into two different roles. And so one is to be a reliable like coder and observer. And so that's a little bit more specific. So all of our veterinarian researchers out there, um, or you might not be in the research field, but you may be participating in a research study in the future. So in order to be reliable, it's that I have the same successful result over time. And so as an observer in classrooms, we're using particular tools that I've been trained in, we have to every year take a reliability test. And we do have time to where if we don't get it right the first time, you have another option. So there's usually like a few of those tries. So it's not like if I don't get it one time, I will never get it. So that's what's really great about reliability is that you have time to practice. And then as I am continuing to do it, then I become like a reliable coder. That's deep. Which means we all have the same like lens and we're looking at it in a particular way for the research that's called to.
1: Which is important because if we're all looking at it from different views, then it really can't, we we don't know if the results are accurate or not. You have to be coming at it from the same way.
0: And it's really used to inform our decision-making and what type of treatments or what type of services we're going to provide in the future in that particular field Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: the other type because that's more of reliability in the sense of like a noun like i'm being a reliable coder reliable observer there's also the reliability in the sense of like the adjectives that's kind of more about what am i doing every day that others are beginning to trust that I will or will not do. Mm, mm. And so we talked about uh, the role that we both had as a teacher. Mm -hmm. I've also had a role, and so have you, as a trainer and a coach and a supervisor. And all of that is to say that reliability, those who I was supervising, those who I was coaching, those who I was training, they relied on me to give them the advice, the experience that I have, the education, all of the information that I have from research, from trainings, from books, and really giving them what is best for their classroom, for their children, for their particular situation, and to be able to provide them with several different tools that they can use. And so knowing that whenever I come in to the classroom or whenever I'm training them, they'll know that I will provide them with some sort of like useful, supportive information and services so they can have a more enjoyable, easy, and effective time in the classroom.
1: Yeah. Okay. So they relied on you to give them what they needed Mm -hmm. from wherever they were at. Like you scaffolded for Mm -hmm. each person. Okay. This person's kind of in this situation, they need this book or they need this piece of advice or they need a break from like working with this kiddo for right now. Mm -hmm. Now, but I feel like you're also hinting at they rely on you to be who you are so they come to learn your qualities your characteristics who you are as a leader and they can trust that when they see you at any given moment they're going to get Katie and and what I'm getting at here is I feel like sometimes folks haven't learned themselves yet and you, you just really never know what you're going to get with that person maybe they're a bit of a loose cannon maybe there's some mood swings going on they're a bit all over the place do you think it's important as a leader as a future veterinarian folks can rely on the quality of your character as well.
0: Yes, I do think that's very important and thank you for saying all those, you know, kind things about myself. <laughs> Something that I really think is important and that the listener to be able to think about during this podcast and during throughout their day is a question that I constantly ask myself and it's what do I want to be known for Mm, how do I want mm. people to feel right when they think about me or when they're around me and after I am gone like how do they feel about me and my presence which is exactly what you were just talking about knowing that they can rely on me to be who I am to be as supportive as I possibly can be knowing that I do make mistakes but being able to own those mistakes and Um, be as real as I possibly can Mm. and present in that moment.
1: Reliable. Mm. I think when we, when I originally see reliability on this Vemcast form, my immediate thought is, okay, they show up on time, but I think we're getting even deeper into, no, it's that I can depend on this person. I trust this person. I know who they are. I'm, I know who I'm getting when I'm with this person. And, those are qualities that are built, like you have mentioned, over time. Also with self-reflection, figuring out who we are, asking ourselves that why statement, like who am I? What do I want to know, be known for? Why am I here? What is my purpose? All of that. If you can be exuding those qualities around professionals, they're going to have a much easier time marking you as excellent for reliable. So Katie, my question to you is, how are we building these muscles? Like, how are we getting to our why? How are, how are you becoming more reliable on a day-to-day basis?
0: So I think how students can build their reliability muscles and something to think about is to first acknowledge where it's really working Already Okay. For you. Okay. So being able to look throughout the day at the times where I am being reliable, for example, I'm sure most of our listeners are already practicing reliability because they might have a child of their own. They might have a pet. Oh, big, I mean, Maybe. Cool, on the nose,
1: <laughs> on the little fluffy nose there. Yeah,
0: uh, Plants even. So yeah. I don't have a child or, or an animal no. pet, um, but I do have plants. Oh, yep, yeah, sure. And so they are relying on us for uh, definitely needs, yeah. survival needs. Yeah. So there's already some places where you're probably being reliable. OK, I
1: like this. So kind of starting off with that gold star, like I'm already doing it in some areas. Yes. Brushing our teeth every day
0: getting out of bed. Your teeth are thanking you. Exercise. (laughs) So the next thing to think about is once I know what's really working well in an area that is I find I'm feeling comfortable in would be to think about an area that I would want to focus on or enhance. Mm. Mm. And so there might be another area where I'm not as reliable or as uh, trust worthy consistent Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes and so thinking about that in small little efforts Mm. is I think something very helpful and to be very realistic Mm. about the area that I want to like focus on Mm -hmm. and what are these again small consistent efforts that I can do because when I think about something too big yes then I get overwhelmed
1: Are we looking at this? Are we writing some things down? Are we setting some smart goals? What are we, how are we putting it into practical everyday use?
0: So uh, it's interesting that you said smart goals because that was actually going to be one of my suggestions. Classic. Yes. So it's almost
1: like we've lived together before.
0: (laughs) I think it's really important to have realistic goals and commitments. And I think that what I would want to do first, or at least try to do first, is become reliable within myself and to myself. And I think that if I can't get there yet, which is understandable, I would want to think about someone else who I'd want to be reliable for. So I had a mentor, and she really taught me that sometimes I need to do things for other people before I can learn to do it for myself. And and that's okay. So like, I can love someone else enough to be able to try to set those goals to be reliable to dependable to show up for them even if i can't do it for myself by myself. So once I learn how to be able to do it for someone else, that kind of creates a habit and then I can have more confidence in being able to start to do things and be more dependable for myself and for my own set of goals because it might be easier to do it with someone else for someone else first before I do it for myself.
1: Did Audrey teach you that? Mm -hmm. I feel like I did not get that lesson from her and I like that because I feel like the general narrative is like, You can't do for others unless you do for yourself and always put your oxygen mask on first. But what you're saying is if we can't do that yet because of our own either baggage issues, whatever, we're not reliable to ourselves, but we're more reliable for someone else, getting those habits in place could help us for ourselves.
0: Right. So I might not have enough energy drive to, like, make dinner for myself to be reliable to, like, give my body nutrients and what it needs. But I might cook a meal. For my best friend, dang, or my significant other, sure, sure. And so it's kind of thinking about that and being able to start there. Okay. Um, if I can't start within myself first, and if I can start with my first with myself first, then that's great.
1: Uh, another thing that you're hinting at is one of my favorite personality quizzes, which is the Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. I've had you take this. Remind me again. Yeah, you're an Upholder, as am I, but yeah. I also. Think you're a questioner, but okay. Mm-hmm. So there are four mm-hmm. tendencies. We're probably going to we're probably going to talk about this a lot this season on the podcast. But they're upholder, obliger, questioner, and rebel. Upholders can meet outer and inexp outer and inner expectations equally. So what you're saying about being able to make a meal for yourself, but also a friend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Obligers meet outer expectations, but not inner expectations. So I think that's what you're talking about with the folks who can't do for themselves yet. So for somebody who wants to start going to the gym, it would be better to have accountability partner to go with because you might not go by yourself, but you'll go with someone else. Yes. Questioners are folks who meet inner expectations and not outer expectations. They're very much asking why, why should I, why do I need to do this? And if you want a questioner to do something, you need to give them research reasons the whole backlog and then they will do it so for example one of my vet students who's going to be on this uh, season of the podcast I told her she should start going to the gym earlier and she's like there's no way that's happening and I knew she was a questioner and so I told her here's why you should do that and I told her one you get it out of the way in the morning two you're going to get your water and your steps in so you're going to start your day off right three I'll drive you so now she uh, won't have to worry about gas So you have to know each person. And then finally, the fourth uh, tendency is the rebel. They're not meeting any expectations. They might know something is really good for them, but because of their personality, they kind of have that like
0: Defiant?
1: defiant. They're defiant. And it sounds bad, but rebels can actually be really like fabulous citizens. And the way to get a rebel to do something is it has to be a part of their identity. So if you want someone to be reliable and they're a rebel, they need to identify with being reliable. But what I hear you saying is knowing ourselves and our tendencies can really help us to build that reliability muscle.
0: Right, and then it becomes more of a habit. So like if I start, whether it's within myself or if I'm starting with someone else to build this reliability, It's now something that I learn to do over time. And I read a quote recently from a book called The Power of Habit. Mm. Have you read that book?
1: No, but it sounds right up my alley. It's a
0: really good book, Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do and How to Change It by Charles Duhigg. And uh, the quote that he uses in there is habits, scientists say, emerge because the brain is constantly looking for ways to save effort.
1: A hundred percent.
0: So if we're making these habits, because we can have good or bad habits, as we know. Yes. So if we're creating these habits and we're doing these over time, then that's when it will transfer throughout all areas of my life.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, decision fatigue is real. Mm -hmm. And so if I don't have habits in place and every time I'm brought with a choice Mm -hmm. and I have to keep choosing and choosing and choosing, it gets exhausting. A habit means I don't choose. I do that thing. So if you listeners are deciding I'm going to be reliable – and if reliability to you means showing up on time somewhere or following through with a commitment, you don't decide. When it comes on your plate, you're like, I, I know that this is a habit that I keep. I'm reliable and I'm going to do it.
0: And what's great is that when I'm setting these goals, I don't need to only think of just reliability in mind. Like I can be thinking of many different things sure. that these goals will be able to accomplish. And so when we're thinking of SMART, it's specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound.
1: Do, do you have an example ready to go for this? I do. Oh, wow. I mean, I should have known that because you are reliable.
0: Thank you so much. Sorry. When we're thinking of specific, it's what will be accomplished. What actions will you take? So it has to be something specific. Mm-hmm. So if it's, I'm going to be reliable. It's not specific. It's not specific. It's not specific. So I want to pay more attention in my meetings. Is this real for you? Mm-hmm. Specifically, being more focused. And so the action that I'm going to take is when I'm in a meeting. Sometimes I get distracted cuz when something is said I might ooh that reminds me I want to check my email or ooh that reminds me I want to do this or ooh I have this question and it's not the right time. Mm. So the action I'm going to take is to write the thought. Brilliant. Love down it. on like a sticky A brain net, dump, you know. Mhm. Measurable. What data will measure the goal? When we're thinking about that, how much, how well, yeah. how often? Okay. So I would like to aim for let's just say I have 3 meetings. Mm. In a day. Yep. So I would try to do, out of all of my meetings, at least really be focusing and thinking about this for maybe two out of my three meetings.
1: So you're saying that in two out of three meetings, when you have a thought, you're writing it down. Yes. Okay.
0: Achievable. Is the goal doable? Do I have the necessary skills and resources? You have sticky notes and pens. I have sticky notes and pens. That's it. It's right there. Now, what wouldn't be probably doable is like, oh, I'll just remember this. Hell no. That doesn't work for me. Maybe for others, maybe, but not for me.
1: What I like about having the sticky notes as well is it's a if you have those sticky notes in front of you, it's a reminder too. It's something visual.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And then relevant. Does this goal align with broader goals? Why is the result important? Yeah. Why do we care if we're paying attention in the meeting? That's um, really. Great that you asked me that, because I want to be able to be more present during these conversations so I can focus on the tasks that may be assigned to me. Sure. Mm-hmm. Questions that might be asked. Right. Next steps. Sure. If I have any questions about a particular project, you know, we're all hearing and learning about a lot of different things. So students in class or uh, yes. students that are going through particular trainings sure. and all the kinds of things you guys do to prepare them. Yeah. Yeah. That way I can focus on what's actually happening. So when it's over, I don't have to be like, wait, what
1: was that that meeting about? And what did I just forget that I was going to remind myself to do? And what am
0: I going to have to do? Right. And if I don't remember what I have to do, then I can't be reliable because I'm
1: not going to do it. I'm sorry. That's full circle.
0: (laughs) Finally it's time bound. So what time frame for accomplishing these goals? Now, are you saying is
1: your ultimate goal like I will be a focused lady in these meetings? Like how will you know it's... Done is it or is it never done?
0: Well, I it probably is never going to necessarily be done. I think mm-hmm. it's gonna be more of like a habit. Sure. And so my end goal would be that I would focus on the meetings that are in that are happening. Okay. And so therefore I will be able to be an active participant. Okay. In these discussions and again have influence and say in next steps and what's best practice for our. Next task or project at hand.
1: So for your timepiece, is it going to be for this semester? The next you're going to try it for a few weeks. A few weeks. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm hearing is if it's a habit forming. SMART goal, which is something that we're probably never going to stop doing. The time piece is just, I'm going to give myself some time to form this habit.
0: Yes. You definitely want to give yourself at least a specific number in the beginning, whether it's a few days, a few weeks, a few hours, a few months or something. So that way you can actually like think about it. Because if I say, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, then that's kind of overwhelming. And there's at no point will you review if I've done it or totally. not. Totally. Yeah. You have, to, you have to be able to review. You have to be able to review. And to be able to modify if it's not working or if it is working and you want to go a little deeper. Right.
1: We've been talking about the the great parts about being reliable and why we would want someone to be reliable. It helps us help others. It helps ourselves. We get to form habits. People can trust us. Can we talk about the opposite side of the coin? Can people be too reliable? Let's talk boundaries and when to say no. What are your
0: thoughts on this? <laughs> Well, um, mm, too reliable. So I think I'm going to approach this question as possible uh, gaps, misunderstandings. Yeah, yeah, yes, Mm -hmm. yes, Mm -hmm. that folks Mm -hmm. might have, sure. There's two. Um, One is...
1: I just want to remind you that you were like, I'm not an expert on reliability. But everyone, she's got her MacBook out here, she has notes. And I do want to say, I just want to go back to that comment that you made, who would be an expert in reliability like it's not a it's a it's a people skill we can can
0: we be an expert in it i I hear what you're saying. I think it's just from personal experience that I used to just like give all this advice because like I know all these things and it's oh, like
1: oh you came in with that mm-hmm. and this is a different situation something that we say in our family folks is, It could be the same behavior, but a different motivation. Correct. You were not coming on here all all cocky like a big rooster hen. No. Saying I'm an expert in reliability, but Mm -hmm. it maybe had felt similar because Mm -hmm. I was asking you, Mm -hmm. can you come on and give some advice to my pre-vet students? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I think um, that's just a random life lesson that we can go ahead and drop uh, in the booth right now for you folks. Sometimes we might be resistant to do something if in the past we've had either a bad experience with it, or we uh, maybe didn't treat ourselves very well with that experience, and that keeps us stuck and not able to move forward in something that could be really good for us. So again, to, to sum that up, in the past, Katie, maybe in, maybe in high school? Katie uh, gave a lot of advice out to friends and people would come to her and that became and I don't want to speak for you so please correct me on any of this but that maybe became part of her identity and she was like the mom of the group and that was where she got a lot of pride potentially and then as we get older we realize we didn't know anything we were giving out advice but we didn't know it so then if I'm going to ask her now in her 30s to come give advice there might be a little roadblock like a uh-oh or an oops or oh I don't want to do this this wasn't good before but it's a completely different situation.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself.
1: OK, so talk about the gaps in knowledge with reliability.
0: So the first thing is, I do not need to do it all. And I don't need to always say yes. Amen. So I think that when we think of being reliable and dependable, it's like,
1: well, I just I just know right now some students are panicking. There's. I, I can hear the anxiety of people saying, I do need to say yes. But, so I want you to say that. Can you say that statement again? That you don't always have to do it all and you don't always have to say yes. Say it again for them.
0: You don't always have to do it all and you don't always have to say yes. And I think what's really important to think about this is burnout.
1: Mm, Compassion fatigue in the vet med field. Absolutely. Two big hot button issues of this happens where they feel like they can't say no.
0: Yeah, and that's also feeling a little maybe trapped since mm. I can't say no. Mm. And what I found really helpful as a former always saying yes and still have to check myself Sure. is if I'm always saying yes and then I have a lot of tasks, a lot of other things at hand, I'm not giving my full 100% at that thing that I'm saying yes to. Right. And I really want to give my 100% in everything that I do.
1: You have to decide what kind of professional, what kind of person you want to be. If you wanna always say yes, you're not doing 100%. You're not giving your best every single time. So then you have to be okay with sometimes saying no.
0: Right, and so then, at that point, I will actually be able to do the things that I say I will do. Super well, Mm -hmm. right. And become reliable.
1: Right, and so that's what we would say to those folks, that we have to have boundaries, and it takes time to figure that out. Mm -hmm. I've heard from so many students by the time they become seniors in undergrad, where they've learned, To say no and to understand how big their plate is and what they want to put on it. And maybe in the beginning, because of excitement, which we might say is actually anxiety Mm. of trying to get everything done. Mm -hmm. They say yes to everything, thinking that will make them look more fabulous on the application or more fabulous to peers or professors or to family members or to themselves. And then they realize, I can't do it all. And then they push too hard and we get that burnout.
0: It's not sustainable. It surely is not. And that's something that definitely takes time and experience to know what my personal caseload is. Because what I'm able to do might be more or less than what someone else can do.
1: And we really can't compare Mm -hmm. anyone's plate because we don't know what's going on behind the scene.
0: So the second thing is that I do not have to be perfect Mm. every time. Mm -mm. So when we're thinking about being trustworthy, dependable, reliable, I might think I need to be on all the time. I need to be perfect all the time. And that's not what reliability is about. It's being able to admit that I don't know all the answers and that I don't always know what to do. And then in that piece, then I'm able to actually learn and grow and gain that skill or knowledge that I might be lacking in at that time. So really thinking about if a veterinarian, right? I wanna be relied upon as the one who provides the best comprehensive care okay. for my clients. Sure. That doesn't mean that I won't make a mistake or I might not know something. Right. I can then be able to learn from it, research about it, get back to the person. Right. So that way I don't need to come back from something that I said that might not have been the best possible solution or advice at the time. But if I admit like, you know what? I'm not really sure right now. I'm going to research this, get back to you when it's possible. And that way, I'm able to be relied upon as a source that is honest Mm. because I'm being able to admit that I don't necessarily know all the things all the time.
1: And we'll follow through Mm -hmm. and follow up. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, that's how you build trust. Uh, Katie, you know, potentially you might end up having a student in your lab someday who wants to go to vet school. That could happen. You never know. And they might ask you to write a letter of recommendation for them. When you are, when if you were to look at the form and it had the reliability piece, and you could score them on a scale of excellent to poor, what kinds of interactions, experiences, uh, it, you know, conversations with this person would you be using to rate someone on reliability? Help the students understand how a professional might look at this scale.
0: I think the first thing and the biggest thing that I was thinking of when you were asking me this question is, can I depend on them over time? Am I able to trust them and depend on them to show up Mm. and being able to rely on not only their performance, but really, as you were saying earlier, their like characteristics of of who they are, and being able to think about how many times they said they were going to do something and actually did it.
1: I think the biggest piece there is time, mm-hmm. because if I'm going to be evaluating how many times did they say where they were going to do something and actually do it that can't happen in a day or a week or maybe even a month. And so this is really good to point out students, if you want someone to be able to score you on your reliability, you have to spend at least how how long, Kate, would you say you have to know someone to know if they're reliable or not?
0: Oh, I would say you would need like at least 6 months.
1: I I was thinking like a semester. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because if I if I meet someone and, I, and they shadow me for a day, I have no I, I would I would have to check the not observe because I don't know if they're reliable. Potentially, maybe I could grasp that from some email communications that I've had from that person and how fast they respond to me and how polite and professional they are. Or maybe I could talk to other people who know that person and see what kind of reputation that person has. But reliability is something that cannot be scored without time and a relationship that's built.
0: I also think. I would be prepared to say to that person that I'm asking for that recommendation for to be able to give examples of when I was reliable. You would give them to the professional? If the professional, like, asks. Because sometimes when we're writing a letter of recommendation Mm -hmm. or something like that, we might write it first. Sure. And be able to give it to them so that they can either agree, yeah. <laughs> make their modifications. But being able to have my own examples in the back of my head of when mm. I was reliable, I think is really important. But that's why we want to be specific and not say yes to everything, unless mm. we can actually do it. Because I really do think it's about, did I do right what I said right. I was going to do?
1: I, in our, you know, with the vet students, sometimes I say they overpromise and they under-deliver. I've said that multiple times over the years, and that is not what y'all want to go for. You really want to commit to the things you can stick with. And like Katie's mentioned, mistakes can happen. So if you do have to leave a position, back out of something, you want to do it in the most professional way possible. You want to see if maybe you can find somebody who can take your spot. You want to find ways that that won't happen again. But that does make a lasting impression on somebody. So you really need to be careful. It's a lot wiser to not say yes to everything.
0: Versus saying yes and then having to back out. It's a bad look. Uh,
1: Katie, we always ask our guests to give a piece of advice to or encouragement for students who are really trying to tackle a large goal to get their dream to have the profession they want. What advice would you give anyone who's trying to to get something, to get that goal?
0: I would really say, I'm sure people have heard this often, but I really believe that everything happens for a reason. And so whether something is working in that particular time, that means it's supposed to be working at that particular time. If it doesn't work at that time, then it's not meant to be. And that's something else even greater than I wasn't anticipating would happen. And so... I did not think I was going to be in my early childcare field that I am now. And so I am really grateful of all of the events that happened that I wasn't expecting and wasn't anticipating. Mm. And so I think really thinking about what I've experienced and being able to see the beauty and the things that I've learned and knowing that those harder times, because it is difficult what all the students are doing. You're doing a lot of work. There's a lot of things you're thinking about. There's a lot of decisions that need to be made. And so knowing that I am really doing the best that I can and it's going to be okay the way that it turns out because it's going to make me a better person and it's going to grow me with all these experiences and these challenges that I might possibly have. And make you
1: more reliable, amen. Well, I want to thank my sister Katie White for being on the episode today and talking to us about reliability. It was really fun to talk to somebody who's not in the vet field, but literally gave just as valuable advice as someone who is in the field. And I really appreciate that, especially because this podca- this season is all about the letters of rec. And there are more than just veterinarians writing your letters of recommendation, folks. Coaches, professors, um, managers, employers. These are folks who are going to be writing these letters. So I'm really, really grateful to have professionals outside of the vet field come on and talk about their experience with these soft people skills and give you all advice on how to improve those muscles. I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon. Did you have something else you are going to
0: say? It's truly been a pleasure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Remember that time that I came home and I'm like, I'm basically a veterinarian.
0: I, I do. And, and you did and not that agree. Still sometimes happens. Yeah. Well, at this point, I think I have an honorary
1: DVM, but that's fine.